Well, good evening. It's good to see each one, especially on the night or the evening like we have with all the rain coming down. It does not make for a pleasant drive anywhere, but we're glad that you're here and we're glad that we have the opportunity to come together once again as God's children. Tonight we're going to be looking at does doctrine matter? Now, there are a lot of things in life that don't matter. Although we may be involved in them, they're not really major issues in life. But then we are involved in many things in life that are serious in nature. Not necessarily dealing with our eternal state, but with our way of life, our well-being, and those things are important. But the most important thing that we can deal with in our life is our spiritual life, our eternal state. As we look at the religious world, we can often see how that the religious world has either misunderstood God's word or ignored God's word or the fact that they just want to change and do what they want to. We understand that. We expect that from those that are outside the Lord's church. But what about those inside the Lord's church? You would think because being a member of the body of Christ, they've been taught correctly according to the scriptures. And the fact that we have the obligation to read God's word and study God's word correctly and to live by it correctly means that we are to be studious, that we are to be active, we are to be following God's way, understanding correctly what God wants us to understand. I've often wondered when people say, well, you have the right to your own interpretation, I have the right to mine, what they're really thinking of. What do they mean by... The statement, I have the right to my own interpretation, you have the right to your own interpretation. I have found that oftentimes it means, just leave me alone, let me believe what I want to believe, and you believe what you want to believe, and we'll get along just fine. Well, that's a sad way to think about things. I often wonder what Timothy thought when Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Now, did Timothy go away thinking, well, I can just preach what I want. Paul told him to preach the word. Well, what was the word? Was it Timothy's own opinion or was it God's word? It was God's word that Timothy was supposed to preach. Not Timothy's ideas, not Timothy's opinions. But when we look at doctrine, we see that God has provided us with doctrine, the correct doctrine. And when people go away from that doctrine, it affects many areas of the spiritual life. Either and in the individual's life and also as a body as a group of people because if people are not following God's word correctly they can't teach it correctly if they're not learning it correctly they can't obey it correctly and when that happens you've got problems God did not give us a word that we could not understand God did not give us a word that we could not follow because after all if God did that what kind of God would he be but when we look at sound doctrine and the Bible talks about sound doctrine. That means correct doctrine, correct teaching, correct understanding. Therefore, we are to adhere to what the Bible teaches. It's not a matter, it's not a book of opinions. It's not a matter of me choosing what I want out of the book and then leaving the rest just as if God never wrote it. God did not mean it to be taken apart and applied separately as people want it and do want to apply it today. Man believes that he has the right to develop his own ideas when it comes to spiritual matters, to follow his 
ideas wherever they may lead. That is unfortunate because usually what people believe they will teach. They will try to influence other people to their beliefs. It doesn't necessarily have to be in a religious area. It can be in other areas too. That is just a way that man was created. People want to share what they believe. They want people to be able to have something in common with them. But the most important thing in life, which is our relationship with God, should never be based on just what we want and what we don't want. Unfortunately, the church is going through a time where many people are falling away from the truth. No longer adhering to God's word. It's no longer a thus saith the Lord, but it's what we want. I have come across... Situations where elders have sat down and studied things and said, well, we decided this, or we decided that. And we spent so many hours studying this, and then come up with something that's totally foreign to the Scriptures. I don't know what they're studying. It's certainly not the Scriptures. If it's the Scriptures, then they're not studying the Scriptures correctly. But yet, that is one way the church has... Falling away from the truth. People interjecting their own ideas and their own desires. It's like children of Israel wanting to be like all the nations around them. Many in the church want to be like all the religious people around them. It is not uncommon to find the Lord's church in fellowship with the denominations. I used to look up websites of different congregations on the internet. And more than once, I came across the Lord's church and how they would have on their web, website how that they are involved in different things with the denominational world. That is sad. But does doctrine matter? It does matter, especially in authority. Thus saith the Lord. God is the creator of all things. God's creator of man. Therefore, we should listen to God. Oftentimes people want to believe that God is in agreement with them. Because they believe something, they think it's okay, they think God's okay with that. Well, it, God may be, it's according to the situation. But really, we have to be in agreement with God's Word. We have to live our lives according to the Scriptures. Therefore, we need to be in harmony with God rather than God having to be in harmony with us. And that's the way many people look at it. Solomon wrote, There's a way that seems right to a man, but, in it, but its end is the way of death. Now what is Solomon saying there? Proverbs 14, 12. He is saying that people have ideas that they think are right. I mean, we all fall into that category. No matter what it is, a lot of times we think something is right and we have been proven wrong somewhere down the road. But when it comes to religious matters, man feels the same way. That what he thinks and what he believes, what he wants, what he doesn't want, that that's okay. Even Jeremiah talked about man's attitude toward that. In Jeremiah 10, 23, when he says, I know, Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. If God had not given us the way, where would we be? If God had not given us instruction through His Word, where would we be? We would be in a mess. Because everybody has different ideas. 
Even in a congregation, you got people with different ideas, and oftentimes they butt heads because this person wants this and another person wants that, and it's at opposite ends, and they, you know, that's just the way life is. But God has given us His Word, and we're to obey that Word. The, the authority is in God's Word when it comes to us understanding it and living by it. We know God is the creator of all things, therefore He is the authority in all things. You know, we're, we're doing our series on Wednesday night, dealing with ethics. And uh, I think Brother Jim started it off with the origin of ethics. Well, we talk about the origin of ethics. We know exactly where the origin is. That's God. God has determined what's right and what's wrong. It's not left up to man to decide what's right and what's wrong. There are de uh, denominational groups, and uh, years ago when I was doing delivery work, I would go to different denominations to deliver, you know, whatever it was. And, and I remember seeing on their bulletin boards and things how that this particular denomination was going to get together and decide on the area of homosexuality, whether they were going to let homosexuals be priests or not. And I'm thinking, I thought God already decided that. Now, why are they sitting down trying to decide whether they're going to let a homosexual be a priest? Well, of course, Brother Brian did a great job on that lesson last week, dealing with homosexuality, but that has already been settled. What they're saying is, is God's Word's not good enough for us. We want to do it this way. We're going to make up our rules. We're going to make up our creed book. Whatever what they want to call it, they're going to make it up so they can go by that. We know the Bible says this, but we want this, or we don't want that. So much going on in the religious world, and has been for a long time, and it has now affected the church to a great degree. We know that there are congregations who are losing members to more liberal congregations, and the more liberal congregations are even getting more liberal than they were to start with. So eventually there'll just be another denomination, although they may still have the name of the, the church on the building, there'll be another denomination. Second Timothy 3.16, as Paul writes, he says, all scriptures are given by inspiration of God. Well, that settles it right there. Although we know that there are people who question the validity of the scriptures. Some believe the Bible might be from God. Some believe that it's a good book, but not all people believe that this is the authority. And some don't want to accept it as authority because they know they'll have to go by it. But when Paul says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that tells us very plainly that what God has given us, we need to follow. Because as we follow on to what Paul says there, he tells us why the, the Word is good for us. Why? Well, there are a lot of things that the Word does for us. I don't know how many sermons have been preached uh, dealing with the benefits of the, the scriptures, what the scriptures really do for us, how they benefit us. But as Paul says here that uh, all scripture being given by God, God breathed, in other words, inspiration, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We don't need anything else. This is all we need. We don't need somebody writing a book. Yes, there have been helps when people write things. Oftentimes it may make something a little plainer. I know I've used books to help me understand something a little better. But I also look at the Bible as the authority. And when we look at authority, it is God's Word. 
But yet, there have been those that have changed God's Word. Even today, you can look at some of the Bibles that are in print, and they have changed the Word of God. A lot of people say, well, how can we trust the Scriptures? They've been changed. Man has had his hands on these writings and things, and they've changed this, and they changed that. How can we trust the Bible? Well, as I mentioned this morning, we can look at all the things that have been written, the early writings, the, the manuscripts and the lectionaries, things like We can see what we have. But in this modern times, man has changed what God has said. They have changed the uh, writings that we go back and we look at the uh, New Testament Greek, and there have been people who have tried to change that, and they've tried to change the different uh, scriptures as we have today. And I think one time I went into a bookstore, a religious bookstore, and I just looked through for some different verses. And the majority of the Bibles that I picked up and looking at particular verses, they had changed them. And that is sad because when people pick that up and they start reading it, they think, well, this is God's Word, so I'm getting the truth. Well, that's unfortunate because that's not correct. But when it comes to authority, as Jesus was having his discourse or in his conversation with Satan... After being tempted, uh, after being in the desert, going without food for quite a long time, you know, Satan likes to do that. He likes to get us when we're weak. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's bad enough when we're strong, Satan attacks us, but, you know, when we get weak, Satan really likes to attack us. But as we see what Jesus was dealing with in Matthew, the fourth chapter, and as Satan tempted him, Jesus answered, well... Let me back up to verse 3. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Now, I, don't, I can go probably one day and I'm ready to take a stone and turn it to bread if I don't have anything to eat. Now, I can imagine going the number of days that Christ did without anything to eat and then Satan tempting him like he did. But notice what Jesus said. And Jesus just didn't make it up. He said, It is written. And oftentimes Christ did that. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So what does that tell us? It tells us where the authority is. Doctrine matters when it comes to authority. When we look at the fact that people have changed doctrine, it has changed worship. For a long time, the church probably... Uh, experienced a long period of time of not having people try to change worship. There have always been people who have tried to change things, but nothing like it has been in the last 10, 20, 30 years. Uh, the attack on our worship, the attack on the fact of our interpretation or hermeneutics, there are those who say, we need a new hermeneutic. The old hermeneutic's no good, but yet they haven't come up with anything to replace it because you can't. They're just, when you look at hermeneutics or rules of interpretation, I look at them as just common sense. And we all go by rules of interpretation every day. When we're out on the road, we read the street signs, we, you know, we see traffic lights, and we read instructions. We, we do it all the time, and we don't even really realize it. But yet, when it comes to spiritual matters in the Bible, now it needs to be changed. You know, you might as well say that the way we look at things in life, the way we read instructions or books or rose out, we've got to change the way we've been looking at those too. Because it's all in the same category. It's all in the same area. But yet there are those who have decided that what we've been doing in worship is incorrect. That we've been trying to bind things that we have no right to bind. 
So when people look at doctrine as not so important, then they decide they want to change things. Proper interpretation is absolutely necessary in order to have proper worship. Now, people can know the truth and still decide to go against it. We can do that. We can know what God's Word says, and we can go against that. But when we look at the fact that worship is commanded of God, and even some people try to say, well, there's nowhere in the Bible that worship is commanded for us today under the New Testament. There's nowhere it's commanded that we're to come together on the first day of the week. And when you show them the uh, Scriptures, they still don't want to believe it. Uh, I haven't, you know, on Facebook, you can get on Facebook and you can have discussions with people. And I had discussions with some people who, who try and say, well, there's no example that we're to come together on the first day of the week. You know, there's no command for us to come together on the first day of the week. And it is amazing to me how they can deny something is right in front of them, but they do. But when we look at worship, should our worship be changed? Have we been doing it correctly all these years, or have we been doing it incorrectly? If we're going to be the New Testament church, then we need to follow what the New Testament did in the beginning. They were commanded to do certain things, whether it was an outright command or whether it was an example. The apostles did not teach error. Jesus did not teach his apostles incorrectly. The Holy Spirit did not guide the apostles incorrectly. Always guided them correctly. But yet there are those even in the church today who say that the instrument is okay. The Bible doesn't say you can't use the instrument. Well, I haven't found that verse either, but we find through other means of interpretation that that is something that is an an added feature to worship. It is not what we are to be doing. They'll say, well, the instrument's not a salvation issue. I always thought that was a strange comment. You know, when you're dealing with something about worship, and you say it's not a salvation issue. Well, if that, you know, the fact of bringing in an instrument or not is not a salvation issue, then worship is not a salvation issue because that means you can bring in whatever you want. You can do whatever you want, and it's not a salvation issue. Well, I wonder what Nate Davin Abihu thought. You think that might have been a salvation issue for them when they brought strange fire upon the altar that God commanded not and God struck them dead? But believe me, anything that we do in worship is a salvation issue because we cannot worship God incorrectly and expect to go to heaven. If we're adding to or taking away from what God has already established, then we've got a problem. It is a salvation issue. We cannot expect to go to heaven if we're going against God. So instruments are making their way into the church nowadays more than ever. Just recently heard of another congregation, and we know how it works. I heard that they're going to start with their children. They're going to start using their children, letting them use it and all, because they know that it's still with the, the, the adults that it would still be a tender issue. That's nothing unusual, is it? Slide it right in. How long do you think it'd be before it's going to be in the auditorium? Won't be long. We're going to get people used to it, and then they're not going to object to it. Or if they don't like it, they're not going to do anything about it because, you know, they'll be used to it. That's just one area. There are some other areas that people have changed the Lord's worship. Nowadays, 
there is this idea of taking children out of the worship and putting them in a different class. That's why we have Bible classes to do that before worship. But yet, there is no authority for it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, we read in the scriptures how we're told to come together as one, as a unit. 1 Corinthians 11 chapter, verse 18, chapter 14, verse 23, Paul talks about coming together as one. Coming together in the church. Coming together. And unfortunately, people are not paying any attention to those things. I always wondered, well, if I'm supposed to be here tonight, am I supposed to be here tonight? Am I supposed to be with the brethren in here tonight? Then if I'm in some other room, I'm not with the brethren. If I don't have to be in here with the brethren, if I can be in some other room, I can be somewhere else. I can be across the street in that house or next door to this house. I can be over there. And this has led to something that was taking place back in the Boston movement, the Crossroads movement, where people are having cottage meetings, where they're, where they're splitting up and meeting in different houses while worship is going on sometimes on Sunday evenings, Wednesday evenings. They're separating and, and meeting in different houses. I can tell you firsthand that that is trouble because unless you've got an elder in each group, you, you don't know what's going on. And, and I've experienced that firsthand. But it's unauthorized. Now, if the church is not going to meet at all on Wednesday night, then that's a little bit different. But when we establish the worship service here, where are we supposed to be? We're supposed to be here. But yet there are those who are separating the children out. And oftentimes they give, it, give uh, reasons such as children uh, really can't learn from what's being said in, from the pulpit. You know, that's, that's something interesting to me because I remember sitting in the pews when I was a young person and learning. I'm sure that many of you have heard young children come out and say something about the sermon. And God thought that the children could learn something, even with adults. If we look at the children of Israel, and we look at the fact that oftentimes they were called to assemble for God, or in front of God, there were times that the men, women, and children were to be in front of God to hear the word. And that's important. Because children can learn. They don't have to be separated into a different room in order to learn. And there have been another reason or excuse, however you want to put it, given is, well, the, the parents can pay more attention to what's going on. My mother didn't have any trouble paying attention because if I acted up, you know, I was corrected. And I didn't bother my mama. <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't make it so she couldn't paying attention to what was going on. So people come up with these, these excuses. But notice in Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter. But once again, man thinks he knows better than God. But evidently, they, they should have instructed God on the fact that children cannot learn when they're in the assembly with adults. When we look at Deuteronomy, the 31st chapter, beginning in verse 11... 
says, When all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Now, are you going to tell me that God didn't know children could not sit in the assembly and learn from what was being said? They can. But it's just a way to get what people want. People want what they want, and they're going to get it one way or another. So we see that doctrine does matter. There are so many other areas that we can cover, but I think these are two of the most important at this point because we have to recognize the authority of God, follow that, the doctrine. Also, our worship is so important because it is one of the main things that helps us with our relationship with God. And the Apostle Paul, once again in his instruction to Timothy, said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering." Why? Why would that be so important? He says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Through the Holy Spirit, Paul hit the nail right on the head. Sad but true. But we see how that the doctrine, the teaching of God's Word, is so important never to be changed by man. From Deuteronomy or from the Old Testament all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, man has been charged not to change God's Word, add to or take away. So that means we have the responsibility to read it as it is and understand it as God wants us to understand it. We don't have the liberty to change it to fit our likes and dislikes. When we look at God's Word, it's very clear on these things. It's also very clear about what a person has to do to have eternal salvation. When Paul says that faith cometh by hearing, it means we're to look at God's Word, we're to hear it, we're to understand it. Romans ten seventeen, as Paul's talking there, the fact that faith is so important, without faith it is impossible to please God. Upon that faith, persons believe in Jesus Christ as a Son of God, the Messiah, the only begotten Son. He died for our sins. Willing to repent, change one's life. Willing to do what God says, live God's way, the way of righteousness, and turn away from all other ways. Confess Christ publicly and be baptized for the remission of one's sins. Baptism is so important because baptism puts us into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 Verses 12 and 13. We're baptized into one body. We're baptized into Christ. We put on Christ. Galatians 3.27. Without being baptized, one stands on the outside of the body of Christ. If you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel, you need to do that because that's what God wants you to do. And God has made it possible. As a child of God, if you have strayed uh, from God, if there's something in your life that needs to be corrected... Don't let this time go by. Take advantage of this time to get your life right with God because you know that if your life's not right with God, even though you're a member of church, you can still lose your soul. But if you have 
need to, to come forward, we pray that you'll do so as we stand and sing.